your name, Jesus. Come on, that's pretty good, but I want you to throw your head back. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. No limitations, no hindrances, no obstacles, no resistance. Thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke, Lord Jesus. We bless you today. Woo! Come on, high five four people and tell them it's on in the building right now. Amen. Before we get into the word of the Lord, just let me say how much that we appreciate Lizzie Morgan, Wes Morgan's daughter. We have a rich heritage here this morning. Some of you know Miles and Delana Rutherford from Atlanta. Their daughter is here as well. Brooklyn is here on the front row. They pastor an incredible church in Atlanta. This is Lizzie's first cousin. And these girls are from a rich heritage of preachers and ministry, generations and generations. So, you know, I don't know if we really know how blessed we are to have such gifts among us today. Lizzie, I love you, girl. It's my niece right there. Is anybody excited about what God is doing right now? How many of you believe something going to change in your life today? You know what? I feel like it's about 11.59 and one more turn and everything is about to shift in your life. How many of you know that one more praise can turn everything around? One more shot can make the difference in your destiny. One more prayer could put you forward into your prophetic future. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to, in reverence to God's word, just stand. I'm going to read one passage of scripture, and then we're going to get right into the word of the Lord. And as I was traveling here today, and I do have to travel to church, I hear you, Gino. A lot of people come all the way from the other side of Oklahoma City. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, do not let the, the uh, acceleration or the speed of my dialogue today distract you. So what are you saying, Pastor Rick? I'm about to hit an apostolic vein and a prophetic flow. And if you are challenged to take notes, you may want to just hold off on that until you get home and watch the archive message on Facebook Live because we're fixing to move like a, a jet airplane. Okay, how many of you know Revelation moves at the speed of light? So we're going to move very quickly as the Lord illuminates our hearts. So don't be upset with me and come back later and say, I wish you would have slowed down and give us some points. The point is you're going to be blessed today. All right. So Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, God says, I hurt. I'm going to read it again. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. God says, I am in mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Listen to the question. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of my people? 
to preach a message today entitled Church Hurt. The subtitle would be Hope After Hurt. Look at someone next to you and say those words. There is hope after hurt. Let's pray before you sit down. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask you for the next few moments of time to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Help us to embrace the word of the Lord for this house on this day. We break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit. And we ask you to have your way in the building. Lord, I ask you for one thing specifically. That everyone leave here healed today. No hurt. Everyone leave healed in Jesus' name. Somebody shout, have your way, Lord. Give Jesus praise one more time. Come on, clap your hands and shout to God with a voice of triumph. You may be seated. I'm going to do some, a rather lengthy introduction. But if I do not do this, you'll not receive the full context, much less the content of what I'll be preaching today. So the thought this morning must be approached with careful consideration. This thought has a tendency to wander off course. This morning we do not have time to explore subjects such as why do people leave the church? Or answer the question, what is burnout? Or what does it mean when people say, I'm not being used here, I'm going somewhere else? Or we're leaving, we just didn't connect. Or the infamous phrase, my season is up. Our focus is two words, church hurt. We've been saying this for a few weeks on our podcast. Church hurt hurts the church. Church hurt hurts the church. One Barna study among unchurched adults shows that four out of every 10 non-church-going Americans, that's 40% of non-church-going Americans, said they avoid churches because of negative past experience in churches or with church people. Therefore, countless Americans have been hurt by a church's negative teachings, oppressive policies, immoral leaders, rigid expectations, and misbehaving members. As I studied, I found some insight. I discovered in my research these words. One guarantee of committing to any local church is that sooner or later it will hurt. Whether it involves low-level disappointments, fallout from a scandal, or the ravages of civil war from church cliques. The local church will always leave us aching for something better. Anytime 
you put a group of people of diverse ages, backgrounds, convictions, personalities, ethnicities, and sin struggles in relationship together, life is going to get messy real quick. And none of us is above it. Help me, Lord. So the question is, can we break this cycle that happens over and over in heart after heart, in church after church? When a person says, the church has hurt me, and they are refusing to visit or join any local congregation of believers, they have practically projected their hurt onto the entire universal body of Christ. They have assigned their offense to every possible Christian and Christian congregation imaginable. Nothing makes us more self-interested than pain. Hurt people act in self-protecting ways. Sometimes that's lashing out. Sometimes it's running away. Sometimes it's both. But saying the church hurt me is often both running away and lashing out at the same time. Here's the fact. The church did not hurt you. I'll say that one more time. The church did not hurt you. Someone hurt you that was part of the church. Matthew 24. I feel my help coming early today. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 24 and verse 10. Jesus speaking. And many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold listen to verse 13 but he that shall endure to the end. The same, the same, the same shall be saved. Hmm. This subject is very close to my heart. I've been the recipient of church hurt. I've been the cause of church hurt. Don't look at me like you're so sanctified you got angel wings hanging off the back of your chair. Because you have too. I've watched family members leave church that were missionaries to foreign countries, never to return. I've watched 700 members leave a church in one week time because they were hurt. In Matthew 24, I don't think it takes very much Bible knowledge to understand that Matthew 24 is a chapter of eschatology. It has to do with the signs of the end of time. 
And Jesus says in the middle of all of this, all of these signs, that there are going to be three things that will be certain. Offenses, false prophets, and a lot of sin. Iniquity. The Message Bible reads like this. And then going from bad to worse, it will be dog eat dog. Everyone at each other's throat. Everyone hating each other. In the confusion, lying preachers will come forward and deceive a lot of people. For many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Staying with it, that's what God requires. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry, but you will be saved. Now let me start this off in the bearership of this message by saying these words. Family trouble didn't start yesterday. Didn't start last month, didn't start last year, didn't start the last decade, didn't start the last century, and didn't start the last millennium. Family trouble started in Genesis 3. It involved a woman and a man. It involved a third party. It was a suspense, of, a suspense of he said, she said. It resulted in a crime scene investigated by a higher authority. There's this interrogation. The source is identified. The penalty is laid out. Then there's a hidden twist in verse 15. A seed will crush the enemy's head. And the drama begins. So it looks like in Genesis chapter 3 that all things are concluded in the origin in relation to the dysfunction of God's creation until you open chapter 4. We thought chapter 3 was the summation of all dysfunction in God's original creation. But chapter 4 starts another story called Fratricide. When brothers kill brothers. So the PS to chapter 3 is chapter 4. The postscript of chapter 3 is chapter 4. Chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says Cain talked to Abel his brother. And you know I'm going to go ahead and decree and declare some things right now. From this point on in this message, healing is going to begin. Yeah, I can already feel that. I'm going to decree and declare in Jesus' name from this point on, healing is starting now, right now, right this moment. And until I get through preaching, healing's not going to stop. Whew. Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Verse 8, chapter 4, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. Abel slew his brother. Verse 9, the Lord said unto Cain, where is your brother? Verse 9 again, the answer, am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me. Whew. Verse 11, the earth has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. We've been killing each other a very long time. We've been hurting each other from the beginning of time. This trouble has been with us since Genesis. And Jesus said it will be with us in the end of time. Hmm. Here's the fact. 
Cain killed Abel because Cain was offended. He was offended because God favored his brother's offering over his. And God plainly tells him, all you have to do is what is right. Let's talk about the offended because there's a progression. No, wait a minute. A digression to offense. Matthew 24, 10, Jesus said, and then shall many be offended and shall betray and shall hate the offense, the betrayal, the hatred. Many shall be offended. In the Greek, it literally means to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way of someone else's progress upon which another may trip or fall. That's to be offended. Someone did something that presented you with an occasion to trip or fall. It literally means to see in another what I disapprove of. And it causes me to distrust them. I think this is registering with a few people in the sanctuary today. I think there would be a few offended people in the building. But you must watch your digression. Because the next part of the verse says, and they will betray one another. Literally means to give into the hands of another, to deliver verbally or to report through your own narrative. Betrayal doesn't happen in your heart. It happens with your mouth. When you start forming your own narrative about somebody else's story that you were not involved in, you are now being a betrayer. Wow. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So we move from I'm offended to now I'm going to betray who offended me by telling the story about what happened. The final stage of this digression is hatred. They will hate one another to detest by persecuting, to afflict someone constantly so as to distress or to annoy them continually. I'm offended, I choose to betray, because I betrayed, now I've entered into a realm of hate. Wow. And now I'm going to make it a point that they are never comfortable because they hurt me. I'm going to make it a point to annoy them because they inflicted pain on me. I'm going to make it a point to make them as miserable as they made me. See, here's where we get confused. You thought you came to church to be next to somebody in church. You didn't come to church to receive with a sense of entitlement what a family can give you. Nope. You came to church because Jesus Christ was crucified for your sin. He was dead. He was buried. He was raised on the third day and he ever lives to make intercession for you. 
So when you get your priorities messed up, I promise you offense is on the way. We must change our perspective and say it doesn't matter what someone else does, what someone else says. I'm not here for you, brother. I am here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am here to worship the risen Savior. And as a matter of fact, I expect you to do something that's going to offend me. But because I'm so mature, I'm not going to let your nonsense knock me off the track of my personal destiny. I'm too ill important to be distracted by your mess I'm going to go ahead and preach I'm sorry because see it is too easy for the people of God to hate on people it is too easy for the people of God to betray people it's too easy for us to be offended it's almost like we are looking for offense it's almost like we get on Facebook specifically to offend people. It's almost like the agenda of every political party is to offend. Because if you offend them, you get attention. So there's offense everywhere. There's offense in the White House. There's offense in the schoolhouse. There's offense in the church house. There's offense in your house. Offense is everywhere. I came by with a few words for you. Get over it. Get over it. Now, pastor, you don't understand. It hurts. It hurts. I know about the hurt, but don't let the hurt turn to hatred. 1 John 3, 15, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know not that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You are not allowed to hate. You are not allowed to hate. Nope, I'm going to say it again. You are not allowed to hate. The Bible gives you no verse, no sentence, no word that condones or endorses your hatred towards someone else. You can't hate them because they're a different color. You can't hate them because they hurt your feelings. You can't hurt or hate them because they didn't speak to you. You can't hate them because of something that happened. You can never hate. If you do, you're a murderer. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. I know I'm not going to get a lot of participation, but I'm going to preach it with a prophetic anointing because this is an issue that's been you know, swept up under the rug. We don't want to talk about it no more. And people live with hatred. People live with betrayal. People live with offenses. Hmm. Offenses will always put you in the mode of self-preservation. Proverbs 18, 19. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Here's what I've learned. These are my words. An offended person refuses entry to anyone they feel could hurt them. They filter out anyone they think owes them and holds them out until they feel like they have paid their debt. An offended person open their lives only to those they feel are on their side. Most of the time, those are offended people as well. 
Without knowing it, the walls of protection become your prison. They are not only cautious about who comes in, they are afraid to venture out themselves. This is a false sense of self-preservation and protection. Go ahead and preach, Pastor Rick. It keeps you from seeing your own character flaws because the blame is always being deferred to somebody else. You know you're in this mode when you filter every relationship through past hurts, rejections, and experiences with other people. And we ignore Luke 17, verse 1. Then said Jesus to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. It's going to happen. Tell three people around you, it's going to happen. Go ahead and say it. Let's participate. It's going to happen. How do I know it? Because Jesus said it. But watch what he says. But woe unto them through whom they come. Now here's the, the other side of that coin. You don't get to decide when punishment comes. You don't get to decide what kind of punishment is inflicted on them. Guess what? You are not God. It were better for him for a millstone to be hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he would offend one of these little ones. Here's the key. Verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. Don't worry about them. Everybody say this together. Mind your own business. I don't want you to offend nobody, but look at your neighbor and tell them, mind your... Now, they didn't like it, so tell your other neighbor, hey, come on, tell, the, tell the other neighbor, mind, thank you, Jesus, your own business. If your brother sin against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again and say, I repent, then you are to forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. I'm going to need some help with that. Have you ever been hurt so bad that God says, forgive him, and you say, Lord, I'm going to need some help with it. Increase our faith. Wow. A hurtful wrongdoing that causes and creates resentment or anger. Offense. The Greek word is scandalon, where we get the word scandal. A scandal is an incident that brings an offense. It's a conduct that causes a lapse of faith in someone else. Wow. It also means malicious or defamatory gossip. I'll leave that there because I know no one in here does that. Someone once says, a lie has no leg, but a scandal has wings. Offense means scandal, a snare, the occasion to slip or stumble. 
a snare. See, there's a reason we get caught up in offenses or snares. Psalm 124 and verse 7 says, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The word offense means bait stick or snare. It was a trap that fowlers used to catch birds. See, the enemy is the fowler. And every day, oh, I know some of y'all ain't liking this and you're putting your head down and scratching. Go ahead and scratch where it itches because I'm about to wear you out. <laughs> Amen. I didn't come to play with this. We've been fooling around with this stuff for too long, running around here acting all kind of ways. It's time to get over it and go on in Jesus' name. Listen, you're going to be healed if you want to be healed. If you don't want to be healed, ain't no preacher in the world can preach you out of your heart. You're going to stay in it with your pity party and call your pitiful friends to cry with you. But I came to tell you, you ain't got to be pitiful if you don't want to be pitiful. As a matter of fact, you ought to unfriend some of your pitiful friends on Facebook and block them jokers. Are y'all in the building? It ain't shouting time yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> Scandal, a snare, a bait stick. So the writer says, my soul escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Every day the enemy lays traps out for you to be offended. But I came by to tell you, some of y'all got out of it and left your tail feathers in the trap. But you made it. You're still flying. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Offended people make all kinds of noise. Envious noise. Covetous noise. Mad noise. Angry noise. I came to tell you, get out from the noise. Leave the noise of people who have been offended. When you change the voices in your life, it helps you with the vision of your purpose. You cannot always have negative people speaking in your ear all the time. Sometimes you got to tell them enough is enough. I done lived in that offense too long. I done been in that trap for too much time. Somebody just shout, I'm coming out today in Jesus' name. Mm. Lord, have mercy. You know what I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me? Make the obstacle of offense the opportunity to climb to the next level. The root of the word scandalon is scandir, which means to climb or to step or stairs. You choose if it's a stumbling block or a stepping stone. You choose if you're going to trip or climb. You choose if you're going to get hurt or you're going to get over it. That's your decision. Ain't nobody going to be there every day helping you. Watch out for that stumbling block, baby. No, you got to wake up, mature yourself, and say, the devil laid that right there. And I am not going to trip. I'm not going to slip. I'm not going to fall. As a matter of fact, I'm about to make this a footstool for my purpose in the earth. 
The Lord shall make your enemies your footstool. So every time the enemy shows up, tell him thank you because all you've done is give me a promotion to the next level of my destiny. Y'all ain't hearing me. The enemy tried to kill you by hurting you, but God saved you so that you would go up to the next level of living. Somebody jump up and shout, I'm tired of being offended. Just do it. Just jump up and shout, I'm tired tired of being offended now shout this I'm tired of offended people amen God bless you God's good ain't he well I'm about done about done listen church hurt is real it happens my personal opinion, I'm just going to give it to you right now. You ready for it? Get enough oil on you to slip through it. I'm going to say it again. Get enough oil on you to slip through the trap. Quit letting everything that comes your way grab you and pull you down, hold you back. Oh, man, I can tell I'm fighting the devil in here today, but I'm going to stay with it. I'm a, I came to go to work. I already knew I was going to have to plow today. But I'm ready for it. Amen. Listen, oil yourself down every time the enemy tries to trap you. Slip through it. Tell the devil, you're not having me. You're not slowing me down. You're not going to delay me. You're not going to detour me. You're not going to distract me by other people's nonsense. But I love them, Pastor. I understand I've been hurt. I've been hurt. But I just think, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was going to go this direction. I just think we just, we too much babies about it. You don't understand, I love them and they hurt me. Well, do you want a bottle? Now, understand, I ain't talking about your spouse. You go home and deal with them and call a counselor. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about in here. I'm talking about pastors and people and people and people. Your marriage, you're going to have to take care of that. Go see a counselor. But man, quit looking to be offended. I can't tell you how many people got mad at me because they walked up on my blind side and I didn't see them. They had their hand out, shake my hand. I didn't even know you was there. See, we don't teach things like dialogue like this no more. Perseverance. Hang in there. Be tough. You don't hear that no more. Because you live in a generation of placating and patting you on the back and telling you you're all that with chips and cookies and milk and dip and all. You're just so wonderful and you're awesome and you don't have any problems. You're blessed and you're living your best life now. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Hell no, it ain't good. It ain't good. Hell no, it's not good. Sometimes we get hurt. That's real. But guess what? In the same way you got hurt, you can get help. In the same way you've been offended, you can make a comeback. Did that word hell offend y'all? You'll get over it. You'll get over it. Hell, hell is just a word. It's nobody cussing. It ain't nobody cussing. 
Amen. You know, and if we talk about it too long, I'll get pissed off, and I don't want to do that. Right? I don't want to do that. Is that too strong for y'all? You don't have to say that, Pastor Rick, the teenagers is in here. You ought to hear what they hear at school. The problem is you got preachers preaching to your teenagers that are plastic as anything that ever lived. Plastic as a three-liter bottle of Coke. And they ain't nobody sees real no more. Oh Lord, help me, Jesus. Somebody shouted as loud as you can, get over it. I'm going to talk to you like Jesus. Jesus walked in and said, you are a whitewashed sepulcher full of dead men's bones. That sounds offensive to me. Jesus, now you just offended me. I don't see Jesus saying, oh, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings. I don't see it. You ain't got no real men. In, well, never mind. I best, I'll just stop. So everybody says, well, then, Pastor Rick, what is the solution? What is the solution? I'm hurt. The church, no, the church didn't hurt you. Somebody hurt your feelings. Or the pastor failed in immorality, and you lost it. Because you thought, my man could never mess up. Let me help you. I don't know why we show shock when we still hear reports. Out, what, did you hear brother so-and-so slipped up and made a mistake and fell? Guess what? Men going to be falling till Jesus comes back. When you put that man so far up on a pedestal, your highest expectation produces your greatest disappointment. So I'm liable to fall off any moment, say hell and pissed off in one service. And then what you, you go, oh my God. Baby, we ain't going back there. That preacher cusses on Sunday. So what's the solution? Jesus didn't play around. Jesus says, watch what, here's the answer to all this stuff. False prophets, iniquity, love waxing cold, all these offenses. Here's the answer. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. You need somebody preaching to you about endurance. It means to abide. Hold fast to your profession of faith. Why are you going to let somebody disappoint you to the place that you can't go to church no more? Where was your faith to begin with? Get your faith back in Jesus. Get your profession back concerning him. Come on, tell somebody, hang in there, baby. Hold on. If you can't hold on, just tie a knot in the end of the rope and squeeze as tight as you can. I know you're crying. I know your heart is shattered, but I came by to tell you it's time for you to endure. There's no magic formula. Ain't nobody going to give you, if you just do this, you're going to get over it. No, you're going to have to learn to endure. What can't be cured must be endured. Remember those earlier days after you'd received light when you endured great conflict of suffering. 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult. And at other times you stood by those who were being insulted. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. What did he say do? Endure afflictions, hardship, trouble. He says to the church at Thessalonica, endure tribulations. He said, James says in James 1.12, endure temptation. Paul tells Timothy, endure persecution. Here you go. And I'm about done. 30, 30 more minutes. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Again, there's no magic formula for your pain. There's no script that you can take a pill and get over your heartache. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to endure like a good soldier in the army of the Lord. What do you mean, Pastor Rick? You're going to have to show up when you don't feel like showing up. You're going to have to pray when you don't feel like praying. You're going to have to get this Bible and read it when it's the last thing you want to read. You're going to have to lift your hands and worship when you don't feel like worshiping. You're going to have to study like you ain't never studied. You're going to have to keep going to church even though you don't like it. Somebody shout endure, baby. You've got to endure. It's like that preacher. That preacher said, I love ministry. Old preacher, I knew it. He said, Pastor Rick, I love ministry. I just can't stand the people. <laughs> Woo! I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't think it was funny, but I thought it was funny. So I looked at him. I said, well, Bishop, you might want to get another occupation. Some of y'all still think y'all look at me like no, he really did say that. I love ministry. I just can't stand, and this is how he said, the peoples. <laughs> All right, let me take this to the next level for 10 minutes and we out. Here's where we get messed up. Woo! I love y'all. Hope y'all getting healed. Hope you're getting healed because the purpose of this whole series is for you to be healed of church hurt. Church hurt is real. And church hurt hurts church. So Pastor Rick, what is the answer? Endure. Hold fast. Persevere. Don't let what you cannot change change you. Amen. Now I'm going to watch this. I'm going to tell you this one last thing. When did we ever get to the point where we thought we were fighting with people? When Paul plainly wrote the church at Corinth and he said, you do not war against flesh and blood. So what happened to the pastor that fell? And it hurt you. There had to be something up behind that. There had to be an influence that was spiritual.
Because the Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, and rulers in heavenly places. Hmm. So I started thinking about it. I said, Lord, what is the agenda of offense? He said, more than the agenda, you must ask yourself the origin. The origin of offense is Satan. So I started thinking, what is the motive of offense? To dislodge my people. Psalm 83 says, keep not silent, O God. Hold not your peace and don't be still. You ever prayed like that? Lord, I need you to move. I don't need you to be still right now. Your enemies are making trouble. They that hate you have lifted up the head. Now watch what, listen to the writer. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted against your hidden ones. This is what the enemy said. This is the devil. The enemy said, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel be not remembered. They have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against you. Therefore, they've attacked your people. Now watch what he says. Do unto them like you did to the Midianites. Take them out like you did your enemy. Watch what he says here in verse 12. The enemy said, don't miss this church. Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. The enemy said, let us take the houses of God from the people of God. 40% of unchurched Americans that used to go to church said they left because they were offended. And you gonna tell me it's not the enemy emptying our houses of worship? I am sorry, but the devil is wreaking havoc in this hour. Somebody is trying to possess in your place. The word houses, the house of God, pleasant places, God's habitations. And he says, let us take in possession. You know what it means in the Hebrew? To occupy by driving out the previous tenants. The enemy is emptying our chairs. He's emptying our pews. He is emptying our sanctuaries because he is influencing people to do crazy stuff, participate in ridiculous sin that leaves a reverberating effect in the sanctuaries of God till people can't take it no more. And they say, I'd rather sit at home in my living room, turn on my computer and watch live stream than have to congregate in a building with people I don't like, I don't trust, I don't even believe in my pastor. And I came by to tell you that devil is a liar and he is not gonna win in the name of Jesus. Whew. If you read it in the Hebrew, it means the enemy has said, let us rob them of their inheritance. There's an inheritance for you that you can't get from a computer. There's an inheritance for you that you can't get from a podcast. There's an inheritance for you that you can't get by belonging to some club. There's an inheritance for you that you can only get by being part of the house of God. And it's time for you to look at the devil and tell him, I'm not leaving. I'm not stopping. I'm going to stay. I'm going to pray. I'm going to love. I'm going to worship. 
If you're in the building, I dare you to clap your hands and give God praise and tell the devil no, no. Hallelujah. I bind every demonic influence. I slam shut every gate that the enemy has entered through because of somebody's offense and somebody's mistake and somebody's pain and somebody's hurt. You be healed in the name of Jesus. Find you a safe house. Find you a sanctuary. Find you a man of God. Find you a family of God. Plant yourself in the house of God and flourish in the courts of God. I bind all doubt. I bind all scrutiny. I bind all skepticism. I bind every evil saying. I bind division. I bind gossip. In the name of Jesus, get over it. Get yourself planted in the house of God. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scatters abroad. Jesus said, how do you get the spoils of a house? You bind the strong man. I'm gonna work on this. I wasn't going here, but I feel it now. Jesus said, how do you get the spoils of the house? How do you get the people of the house? You bind the strong man. He never said the strong man was Satan. The strong man is the one with the influence. If you bind a husband, you get his wife. Oh Lord. You bind a father, you get his children. You bind a pastor, you get his church. You want to know why the devil is after pastors? Because he knows if I can attack that pastor, I can scatter that flock. And I came to tell you when this thing was buried in my heart, I had a dream of bleeding, wandering sheep in a desert, just looking for a shepherd that could heal them. And God said, church hurt. And I want you to preach it with no apology. I want you to preach it with no shame. I want you to preach it like it's the last message you ever preach in your life. And I came by to tell you that devil has hurt us. He has wounded us. He has scattered us. We are everywhere bleeding. But it's time to come back to the shepherd. It's time to come back home. It's time to get back to the house of God. Bless your name, Jesus. And I start looking at it. 75% of pastors go through a period of stress so great that they quit ministry. 1,500 pastors resign every month. Stay standing in this nation. You know this. Whew. In a decade, 40% of today's pastors will be in another line of work. 70% say they have no close friends. The divorce rate for U.S. pastors is 65%. 80% of pastors say ministry has a negative impact on their home. You know why? Because people don't consider you. They don't think he may be with his wife right now eating dinner. It's 645. Call him anyway. He's the pastor. And you drain him and he has no energy for his wife. You drain him and he has no focus on his family. 
because you need his time and you need to talk to him and then you wonder why he walks up here he ain't got no oil he ain't got no strength he ain't got no anointing because you have drained him with your phone calls and counseling sessions grow up be mature the five-fold ministry is given to the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry quit killing pastors My God, he said, if you bind the strong man, y'all can stay standing. You get his stuff. Two spirits are released in the earth, Jesus said. The spirit of scattering and the spirit of gathering. I'm preaching five more minutes. I'm going to shame every devil in Norman and Moore in Oklahoma City and Goldsby and Blanchard and Purcell. The spirit of scattering. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. The word scatter means put to flight or disperse. Zechariah tells us in chapter 1, I lifted up my eyes and saw these four horns. Watch what he says. And I said, what are these? And he said, these are the horns which scattered my people. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. And he said, what are these coming to do? And he said, these are the horns which have scattered Judah so that no man did lift up his head but these four have come to terrorize the enemy, to cast out the horns of the enemy which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah. you understand what just happened there? Four spirits were released to scatter the church. And God said, I've anointed four carpenters to come and terrorize those spirits. See, you are either a builder or a destroyer. You're either into construction or destruction. And the only way for you to terrorize the enemy that's been scattering God's people is to get after him with the anointing. Quit acting like this subject doesn't exist. Put your mantle on. Put your big boy drawers on. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and come to the house of God and tell the people, stop scattering. Stop dispersing. I ain't done yet. He that gathers not scatters abroad. The root word, the Greek word for scatter is skeptomai, from where you get the word skeptical. Skeptic is a person who is given to skepticism, especially in regards to religion. Skepticism is an attitude of doubt. If we could empty the church of skeptics and fill it with participants, we could advance the kingdom of God. But there are some people so skeptical of everything. But I don't know why you're doing that. And I don't know why they changed that. If I was the pastor. Skeptic. It's a philosophy in a particular area. It's called systematic doubt. That's what philosophers call it. Systematic doubt. Which means you start doubting in here and you go to the lunch table and you talk to your wife about it. It's systematic. I don't know about Pastor Rick. I don't know about this quest church. I don't know what happened to Pastor so-and-so. I don't know what's going on around here. But I wonder what's behind all this. Who it sound like? The devil. That's the devil. Doubt. I, I doubt. I doubt it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know, honey? I don't know. I don't know. Why is he doing that? Why is he up there? Why has he got the microphone? Why is she saying that? What's happening? Why is he on the guitar? Why is he doing this? Why is he the porter? Why is he greeting? Why? 
Attitude of doubt. So you know what offended people do? Offended people scatter people. You know what hurt people do? They hurt people. I'm hurt. So you just put your hurt on everybody. You know what I'm proud to say? I thank the Lord. I'm just going to be humble right here. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to thank you for your grace. I'm, I'm being serious right now. Because when I was 35, I was anointed. Highly anointed. But had a crazy thing about me. That's just being vulnerable. I am grateful for his mercy and grace. I told somebody the other day, I said, if I could ever pick a time to sit under my ministry, it would be now. You know why? Because I done been to hell and back and survived. If I was going to quit, I would have already quit. So I'm here to tell you, you're in a safe place. Get over yourself. Quit doubting. Quit scrutinizing. Quit being skeptical. Quit calling my staff. Quit dogging my staff. Quit condescending to the staff. Amen. I just got to say it one last time. I won't say it no more after this. Amen. Just get over and let's go forward. Are you happy? I could preach on I'm halfway through the message. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you I came to terrorize the enemy that's been terrorizing you. Lizzie, I want you to come up here. I want the praise team to come up here. And this is going to be something prophetic that's about to happen. There's no accident that Lizzie is here today. You're talking about five generations of ministry. Her grandfather is one of the greatest men of God in this country. Lizzie, the second song you sang today, I don't know what that second song was, but it's a prophetic word to this house. And when Lizzie sings this song with this praise team, healing is going to hit this house today. Now listen, I know I went off a little bit, but I'm good with myself. I'm good. I'm okay. Now listen, don't leave here today hurt, y'all. Don't be a scatterer. Be a gatherer. Everybody's been hurt. But let's be healed today. In the name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Do you love the Lord? Can I pray for you? Will you lift your hands? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that healing would sweep across this sanctuary. So many people in this building have been hurt by pastors, by leadership. They've been hurt by each other. And Lord, we're, we don't want to deal with it anymore. We want to go forward. We want to advance your kingdom. We want to be healthy, happy, and whole. So I ask you, God, to touch us today. Minister here today. If you say, Pastor Rick, this is my word. I needed this. You want God to touch you where you've been hurt by church, in church. I want you to come to the front right now.